You're listening to episode 21 of the Divine Nobodies podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. This is Eric with the Divine Nobodies podcast. I'm joined by the lovely Jennifer Lynn. How are you doing, Jen? Doing well. How are you? We're doing good. We're back in this, back in this together. We also actually have a pal, a very, very special, very unique pal. He's actually a friend of the podcast. He's going to be making his way on with us. He's actually sharing the mic. How are you doing, Sam? Hey, I'm well, Eric. How's everybody else doing? Doing fantastic. That's right. We were trying to figure out what it is that we would call you. We feel like you deserved like a really epic, masterful name. Yeah, and I thought it would be appropriate to introduce Sam, the haver of fun. <laughs> and I thought about it a little more and how much weight that, you know, how much responsibility that would carry on my end to provide the fun. That's true. You kind of set the bar really high. Yeah. They'd be like the master of ceremonies. Every time that you'd come, you'd have to sort of like set the bar a little higher than before. That's right. You know, I'd, I'd have to walk in with a new piece of jewelry every time. Exactly. You know, my necklace would have to keep getting bigger. <laughs> you'd, you know. have, you'd have to just start doing magic tricks. Right. For sure. You'd be like the master of illusion. That's right. I have to start working on impressing myself first before I can work on, on impressing everybody else. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to like so. start bringing just various different types of artisanal pizza. <laughs> Imagine being a comedian or like Joe Rogan, you know, and people are just sitting around like waiting for you to say something funny oh, or just yeah. looking at you. Like all the time. What kind of pressure that must be? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you just don't want to be funny. Sometimes you want to be left the fuck alone. That's true. That's I, true. Think, I just want to sit in the Uber and right. have them not talk to me. That's true. You I know? think Joe Rogan is kind of a testament to that. Not Joe yeah. Rogan, but Jim Carrey. Jim mm. Carrey. Oh yeah. You know I mean? Oh yeah. That's a good one. That was, yeah. Yeah. Because Jim Carrey, he's one of those people that as a child, I mean, he has a really, really big shoes to fill because he was one of the more archetypal characters of the 90s. Mm -hmm. Oh, big time. And when you think of Jim Carrey, you think of him as just being the nicest, funniest person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he kind of asked for it in a lot of ways because he just has and embodies that type of character. Same thing with like Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But whenever you have the, the intensity of uh, somebody with that type of nature, uh, it was from my experience, a lot of those comedians use that as an outlet to externalize some inward pain. Oh yeah. Did you ever, do you, did you ever see um, what dreams may come with I Robin? I did. Was that the most yeah. excellent movie? And it was Beautiful. a totally different role than I've ever seen him play. It was like a really serious role. Right. But anyway, when you said that, I was like, that movie came to mind. I was like, accept that one. Yeah, I agree with that. What dreams may come uh, completely changed the way that I see Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. There was a, because when you decide to make a movie like that, you're not just agreeing to play a movie. I mean, I think that was kind of made off of kind of like a form of Dante's Inferno. Mm. Yeah. Right. Cause he's, he's having to go into these alternate realms in order to find his wife, which in the movie committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And so you had to have been, or at least uh, been intimately in more involved with yourself in order to even agree to do a movie like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, hundred percent. So I feel like there's a part that spoke to him as a person. And I think that kind of slowly started to unravel as his career went on. Yeah. I mm -hmm. feel like his real outlet for expression was probably stand-up comedy. Yeah. yeah. His stand-up went deep and his yeah. stand-up got really dark. And he talked about a lot of, the, a lot of the things that were on his mind and just sort of ended up, you know, taking him unfortunately later on in life. But, you know, yeah. he never did it without, he never did it without seeming like he was going over the edge and just sort of uh, not coming across as relatable. So he yeah. could talk about some of the deepest issues, but everybody would still go, yeah, I think I can relate. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's true, though, that when you're a comedian as like prolific as maybe him or Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. um, the standard is really, really high. So at yeah. some point, people start ceasing to see them as human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jim Carrey's recent sort of um, recursion to more spiritual dimensions mm-hmm. is kind of a testament to that because mm-hmm. he went from the extreme of being so outspoken, so more external to almost introspection and became a hermit, started really getting really into things like psychedelics as well as artwork. Yeah, painting, yeah. right? You right. Know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, especially in pop culture, see him as lose, lost his mind. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but yeah. if you listen to a lot of the way that he speaks now, uh, and the quotes that you can find on like Twitter or Instagram, I mean, he's like spitting some crazy knowledge. Yeah. You know, he sure is. So he's, he's an evolved cat. Yeah. So he's touched upon something. And the beautiful thing about if it's going to be anybody, it might as well be Jim Carrey. Because when you think back, I think a part of our sort of cancel culture is that we see these type of figureheads and then we start tracing back through their history to see how genuine they really are. Mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. But when you think of Jim Carrey, he doesn't have any sort of negative track record that you can pull up and see like, hey, Jim, this isn't the real Jim Carrey. Right. Mm. He just automatically, you think of him and you think of somebody that is just fun and caring and nurturing and loving. Yeah. So people are almost forced to accept, wow, Jim Carrey is on some high level shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he, and this may actually make sense what he's saying because it's believable because you know that he's being authentically him. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, for a while, I'll agree with you. I thought he lost the plot for yeah. sure because mm-hmm. his hair was all crazy <laughs> and he was a total hermit. That's and what I was going to bring up is the fact that he grew that outrageous beard. Yeah, the beard. You know, I was like, it was understandable when a guy like David Letterman grew one because yeah. he's not, you know, he's retiring, retiring. He's basking in the glory of not having to keep up with that. Right. But with yeah. Jim, it was like, dude, you all right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Take a shower. Yeah. yeah. He looked, he looked like he stunk. You know, you yeah. can just look at somebody and you're like, I know you smell. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the, the thing is, though, I, I, I feel with Jim, well, also, too, did you guys hear about that time? Well, it was, there's a clear rumor that was going around that he was supposed to play Terrence McKenna in some sort of Oh, that biography. would be awesome. No, but that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd and, be perfect. And I, I think he even started to play on that rumor. Uh, obviously, he was aware of who he is mm-hmm. and he was just a really, really huge sort of person that was in the fixture of like the Timothy Leary days of the 1960s. So you automatically know that he's venturing down that sort of spiritual path. And I, I think it's a really beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in terms of what we're talking about, if you create a name that sets the bar that high, you're eventually going to have to go down the Jim Carrey path. That's mm-hmm. right. You and is that I mean. a path I am willing to go on? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, so I'm glad that you spent some time hanging out with us, Sam, because we're going to go into some really interesting topics and themes today. Yeah, Excited. we've got some fun stuff. Yeah, we're going to go over uh, something that uh, one of our listeners actually sent us through a DM on Instagram. And we're always asking our listeners to send over topics and things and questions and that we can sort of resolve or even wax poetic about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of those things that came up, and that's basically 3D and 5D, both the difference, but also what does it mean to move through each one of those dimensions? Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and that's something that we talk about all the time. And I'm not surprised that one of the listeners would ask like, what Mm -hmm. what exactly does this mean? So um, the 3D, 4D, 5D. So if you had to sum up, I mean, what's the elevator pitch on what 
3D, 4D, 5D is, and then we'll just kind of dive into each one. Yeah, so 3D, and th there's there's a way that I look at this because I'm more versed in Advaita Vedanta, which are like Eastern spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. And these sort of themes have been around for a really, really long time. I think it's a, a sort of like new evolution in how people want to interpret sac sacred information, which mm -hmm. is in Hinduism and Buddhism, 3D would basically just be called, in Buddhism, they'd actually call it Mara. Mm -hmm. So it, it's the divine play, mm -hmm. the divine play existing on this planet that we live on. And then in Hinduism, they called it Lila, which is basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's this position of we live in a world where polarities exist and duality exists. And because of those dualities mm -hmm. exist, suffering and happiness work together. Right. Yeah. The good and bad duality mm -hmm. and that judgment of others and being in um, in the space where your ego is really in control. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to think of some other examples uh, mm -hmm. um, where you're dependent on fear and you're acting mm -hmm. out of fear. Mm -hmm. right. um, all of those, all of those where you're kind of, and I think uh, religion wise, the first thing that comes to mind is an atheist. So instead of believing that in the 3D world, that you're believing that God is external and separate from yourself mm -hmm. and also maybe even that God doesn't exist at all. Yeah. The interesting yeah. thing about atheists is that they, in some ways, are the most spiritual of them all. But the thing is, they they don't believe in any sort of, I want to say, idealistic to, sort yeah, of God. To religion, like a, yeah, A dogmatic sort of God. But they still mm -hmm. believe in something. So there's this idea that they're still kind of making that distinction from within the polarities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I, I see atheists as being kind of a little step forward is because they acknowledge that there's some sort of force, but they can't with conviction tell you that it exists. Right. You know, so I, I think you're right. I think it's like this idea of separateness because we live in a, a world where obviously those polarities exist. Wherever you have one, you know, happy moment, it's followed by uh, another moment that is the complete opposite of that, which is like suffering and pain and different things like that. Right? What are yeah. your thoughts on um, agnosticism, both of you? Um, I think agnostic is, I kind of look at it in the same way that I would look at it as somebody that was kind of like an atheist in some ways. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily take a position, right. but I don't want to get too, uh, my, my whole perspective is I don't want to get too far into the definitions of what things are. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think the whole point of the 3D is acknowledging that those definitions exist because that's what the 3D dimension does. Oh, yeah. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's the belief that there's limitations, right? right? And in those limitations, you have feelings of scarcity mm -hmm. and fear and greed and power over other people mm -hmm. and um, judgment of yourself and judgment of others. Like right. all of these, it's just a limiting mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And it's like, you really have to think of where these sort of three dimensional ideas come from. So just to narrow it down to the 3D as a good starting place is there's an understanding that there's duality. So the duality exists because we as human beings, the vantage point that we take in our society is that we are different from everybody else. At the physiological level, it's what we see, right? We see somebody walking down the street, it's easy for the ego to say, that is that person and this is me. Mm -hmm. It's not as obvious that we're the same. But I think our Western society teaches us from very, very young, a curriculum that implies that we are very different from everybody else. And that is to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, but to a certain extent. Right. You know, and so uh, the three dimensional uh, sort of perspective is 
very limited also too. And I want to bring death into this too, because a lot of people have this idea, uh, the sort of like nihilist perspective of what death means. Mm -hmm. And as long as we fear the opposite side of life, which is the polarity of life being death, we're always going to, like you say, have that scarcity. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of crazy shit that happens when people believe that this is the only life that there is. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A so lot. The acknowledging the polarities is, is a really huge part of the third dimension. So it's a fear-based type of uh, culture. It's basically any position that you take that are so extreme from the other. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much 2020. Exactly. In yeah. a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 2020. It's the, the Mars retrograde that we're in right now. I mean, you have a lot of things that social injustices, mm -hmm. a lot of things in politics. And you even have this, this really large movement of people in the new age and spiritual community that are taking arms and they're speaking out against a lot of these things and offering their light work in various different ways. So mm -hmm. there's obviously an intensity there. Right. An mm -hmm. intensity there. Yeah. It's both underlying and vivid. Right. Mm -hmm. In a very interesting way. Yeah. But the interesting thing about the third dimension is that it, it, it's, it's, there's this, there's this idea that it can somehow be overcome. Like we could completely annihilate the third dimension and make it in sort of this utopian society. But the way that I look at it from the position of maybe Buddhism or Hinduism is that this is just what this dimension does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but I kind of feel like you can, even in one day, kind of travel back and forth between third right. and fourth dimension, dimension through meditation and mm -hmm. um, and just awareness and, you know, tuning into your consciousness and being right. present and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to just sum up to the third dimension, it's just that there are so many, it, it, there, there's so many sort of like opposing sides and there's this feeling of division and um, separation from source. Mm -hmm. Right. And, when we're in this third dimension, we have the ability, like Jen was saying, to meditate and delve into these type of practices that give us the vantage point of awareness. And when we're looking from that awareness, we're able to see those polarities working with each other. But a lot of people don't realize, okay, well, what is it that is aware of the polarities? That is mm -hmm. you existing on the fifth dimension, mm. right? looking into the third, mm. right? So the third dimension obviously is the one that is causing a lot of the issues with the spirit and how people move and go about their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. what do you think, Sam? That's fascinating. I mean, the point that Jen brought up earlier about just sort of shifting in and out of, you know, I guess it's between the third, the fourth and the fifth, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the point that you brought up about through acts of meditation or just in other instances, uh, just sort of going from one to another was something that made me think about the times that I've meditated mm -hmm. and I've experimented with it on and off for the course of probably the past four or five years. And, um, the times that I remember feeling just the, the, the most complete were the times when I really wasn't feeling if that made any yeah, sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Where there yeah. was just a tremendous lack of nothingness. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time that results in love after once you realize how good that feels mm -hmm. and, that's what I would probably reference to me going to that side or that realm. I mm -hmm. guess it would be somewhere between the fourth and the fifth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because there's still some consciousness at play. Right. I guess it's relevant to all of them, but. Right. Um, 
And it doesn't even necessarily have to be through meditation, just um, becoming more, and I hate to use this word, but woke, like yeah, sure and asking true. questions. Yeah, and AF there somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Hashtag yeah, for woke sure. Yeah. Um, and just being more awakened and asking questions and like, mm, is this real? What's, you know, what is time? And like yeah. having these conversations is putting us in a fourth dimension type realm. Right. Um, hmm. and, and something that we talk about a lot is astral projection. We hmm. have a whole podcast podcast on it, you know, right. which is another fourth, fourth dimensional kind of um, area of travel. And that's the thing that I, when we talk about polarities, it's so important to understand both of them because both of them work together. They act as the perfect catalyst for growth mm -hmm. because you couldn't have, you know, that acceleration without something that is really triggering you or pushing you to elevate to that level. Right. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about, from my experience living in this third dimensional realm is that you get this overwhelming sense after you start meditating for long periods of time mm -hmm. that there's something deeper inside mm -hmm. for sure. that sees all of this. Mm -hmm. And then I, I look, I start to look at the spirit, the spirits venture into this birth as trying to fit infinity into a tight shoe. Because what ends up happening is once your awareness starts to expand, you start to go through enormous amounts of evolution and change that doesn't always entirely feel very good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of this parable of the crab, which is the story that I heard a while back. You probably like this, Sam, where it's I like, love parables. Yeah. And it's, it's basically <laughs> a crab or a lobster goes through these, these periods of time where they have to let go of their shell and grow a new one. Right. And so what is the catalyst for the lobster or the crab to start that process is that it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels the shell restricting sort him. of restricting him while he's inside expanding. Mm -hmm. And so he has to go through that process of being uncomfortable before he's able to shed that and essentially grow something bigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And so I think of the body as being a large, a large part of the reason why we have many of the issues that we have on the three dimension, right? So we have, and we're limited to the senses for infinite beings, which a lot of us through, you know, meditation or plant medicine at some point acknowledge that we're infinite beings. At some mm -hmm. point we realize that all of the, the senses that we have to work with are very limiting. Right. We have the smell, we have vision, we have feeling, taste. These are all the things that the ego is limited in terms of what it can experience. And we're not taking away from the complexity or just the absolute wonder of these senses because having them and experiencing them the way that I do anyway is just remarkable. No, it's definitely a good thing. It's amazing. What mm -hmm. becomes a, what becomes a problem from my experience is when you start over identifying with those things Yeah, yeah. as being who you are, mm -hmm. because you could easily overindulge in sex. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You could easily overindulge in sadness or pain. Right. And a lot of those are functions of the ego um, identifying with neurochemicals, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with emotions that are uh, we identify with that are brought on either through ourselves or by others. Mm -hmm. And that creates a whole lot of chaos. And this, what happens after a certain period of time is the spirit starts to fall asleep and the ego starts to run the show. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the, the, the craziness that we experience in the world that's the reason why it's happening. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. not enough uh, like operating from awareness. Yeah. And it's a battle of the ego and your yeah. higher truth. Exactly. The battle of the ego and the higher truth. So awareness acknowledges that everything is limited in the body. 
right? And mm-hmm. I think once you acknowledge that, that's where freedom starts to come in mm. because you realize that there's something more, something deeper that can't be taken away or given. It's just this overwhelming sense of that eternal source inside of you. It's that that vibrating at a higher frequency. Yeah. You can never, once you feel that mm-hmm. and that door's opened, that door can never be shut again. Mm. It's like, right? yeah, it's an eye-opening experience. Yeah. And, and you don't want it shut though. No, yeah. Not at all. No. Yeah. It's like yeah, there's it's that- like, walking around blind and then all of a sudden you can see you're like oh it sounds great oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's the thing right is it's so easy especially what the ego does uh, say say okay so now we're going down the path of now we're awakening okay and we want to do something about it mm-hmm. but who wants to do something about it typically the ego that wants to do something about it it's like i see this okay well what's the curriculum so we go online and we start mm-hmm. reading about all these different things and it's an innocent thing because everybody goes through it. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through a period of seeking, right? Everybody goes through this period of wanting to improve themselves. But at a certain point, you realize that the one that wants to be improved is the one doing the improving. Mm. So you realize mm-hmm. that the ego is just trying to satisfy more of the ego. Mm. So it leads to more of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay really, really close attention because you can get into this mind game with the ego where you become addicted to spirituality and addicted to healing. You know what I mean? Mm. That is really funny that you say that, but yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, because, it, and, and that's what the ego does, right? It wants to, it, it can't fathom not knowing the infinite nature of uh, spirit. So it starts to create definitions and these idealistic sort of perceptions of what it means. And that's why we have Christianity. Mm-hmm. That is a label. That's a definition. We have Catholicism, Buddhism, all these different things are the ego's way an attempt to make sense of something. Mm-hmm. But the point is that isn't that these forms and lineages of spirituality is bad. It's just that the, we get in trouble because ego wants to own that. Mm-hmm. It wants to make conclusions. And I think the whole idea behind moving through this 3D polarity realm in a graceful way is to not worry so much about the destination of where something is leading you, but just this whole feeling of play mm-hmm. of, of experiencing different things without being too identified with it, you know? Hmm. Yeah. That was deep. That was yeah. some deep hey, shit you know, right there. Sometimes you gotta go deep. Sometimes you gotta go deep, Sam. You know. Oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you gotta go deep. Sam, are you and Eric at the party? The guy that like picks the one per the one person out and just gets in a really deep conversation at a party. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's why we get along so well. Yeah, Sam is we would be that person each other. each other if we met at a party. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. See, normally how it works is I wake up in the morning and then he wakes up in the morning and then the party starts in the kitchen. Oh, Typically. Okay. It depends okay. if coffee has been ingested or not. Because yeah. if it hasn't, there's there's no party. There's no fun to be had. That's true. That's true. You can't start the party until Sam's had his coffee. No. Yeah. yeah. Tried to do that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mistake. <laughs> tried. tried. Attempted. Past tense. Yeah. The, the, the thing is that I feel like, um, and it's crazy because I think it's just the space in which um, I occupy because Jameson lived there before Sam did. Yeah. And we and had her, Jameson on the, the podcast. And right. you guys are a lot alike. Yeah, mm. and and so it just seems to be like this this um, this force, this vortex that is created at 
on you know Madison Street in Pasadena. I was say we just we'll, we'll call it Fernwood. For, yeah, the <laughs> Fernwood uh, where people come and they do a lot of healing, a lot of self discovery. Me myself included, because yeah. I never stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, but a and lot then of the universe brought you right back to that place. Right back to the so place. So apparently, yeah. you weren't done. I de- yeah, definitely. Had more work to done. do. Yeah, yeah, and so. You know, whenever I have uh, things that I, I want to sort of wax poetic about, you and, and him are the main people, you know, that go into these sort of really thoughtful explorations in spirituality because you guys are some of the most intelligent, but also kind, loving, compassionate, and just like little sages. Oh, oh thanks. Thank you. That you was so I mean? nice. Yeah. Well, I'm like blushing a little bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, um, actually. It's just like thinking back to this. Or it's, it's, it's actually more of a realization. But what it comes down to in the way of ascending or just sort of, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if breaking through is the right word, but when it comes from getting from the third level to the fourth level to the fifth level, really the ultimate thing is just to let go. That's one of the paramount things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, you have to define, we'd have to define together what letting go means. Right. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know. it's getting to the root, which is fear. Yeah. That's a root, because mm-hmm. fear seems to be the direct enemy of love in, these, in this context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, what I, to say the thing is, it's like, I think they talk about this, a lot about this in The Course in Miracles, when they talk about the difference between love and fear. Mm-hmm. Marion Williamson actually says that there's only one moderating force in the universe, which is love, love. and then fear mm-hmm. is the absence of that. Mm-hmm. Right? But the thing is, is not to be at odds with the opposite because you can get in, at least from my experience, a lot of trouble when you start pushing away fear and pretending like it doesn't exist um, because it does. And it's very much a part of our physiological structure and it's there really to protect us and serve us. I think it's just about whether or not you can use it correctly. Because from my experience, um, through even things like public speaking or even things like overcoming uh, panic disorder, which I actually had when I was young, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, fear could be the greatest catalyst for people to grow, you know, because it pushes you to do things that you wouldn't normally do had you just been stagnant, not seeking or willing to move and, and yeah. find that out. Yeah. Mm. You know. And a lot of the times your fear is misappropriated. Like, yeah. When you say public speaking or um, people who have anxiety, they get anxious over things that they shouldn't really be getting anxious over. Right. right. And they don't even know. And Yeah. They don't even know why. What the trigger is or, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I tell people, like fear, when, they, when and people have come up to me, and I've been one of these people, and this is kind of how I got into Jiddu Krishnamurti. He's one of the mm. Eastern spiritual teachers. He's like the really strict doesn't take no shit grandfather yeah. of the Eastern spiritual world. And He's you talk to him, you talk mm-hmm. to you, you listen to him and you just feel like you got like a really huge download of wisdom, but also scolded at the same mm. time. <laughs> <laughs> you feel yeah. like you just got grounded. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, wow. just, it's like, you're grounded, go in a room and read all of my books. Free mm-hmm. Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he says, when people come up to him in these classes, he's like, well, how do I eradicate fear? And he's like, well, you got to, you got, you have to define what fear is first. Mm-hmm. Cause when people think of fear, the first thing that they think of is the product of their fear. Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid of heights, I'm afraid of skydiving out of a plane. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of losing my lover. I'm afraid of dying. Okay. But that's not it. That's just a byproduct of what happens from the fear. Fear is a neurological response in the body. Mm-hmm. And how is that triggered? Well, it's a flight or fight response, right? 
And that is meant to protect you. If you're in the wild and there's a bear, those neurochemicals run through your veins and like you, you, you flee. They'll serve right. you well. Yeah. They serve you well in that. But the yeah. issue is. Watch out for that bear. You want to, don't, don't poke the bear in the zoo. <laughs> those bears are crazy. They but run fast. So yeah. They're really fast. Yeah. They will fuck you up. They will. They'll, they'll fuck you up for sure. So, and, and the thing is, is, is that's one thing, right? That's one thing that we can all acknowledge is a good thing. But I think somewhere in our Western society, we started creating not physical, real fear, but emotional fear, mm -hmm. which is very different. Emotional yep. fear is where we freak ourselves out in some way mm -hmm. through this over complex of thoughts that are just on this loop all the time that are giving this, us this idea that we're in danger, mm. mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You ever gone through that? Oh yeah. 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 I talked about that with you recently, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was dealing with that at, um, I was dealing with this around my 25th birthday. Mm. So this would have been in April. And, uh, mm. that was, you know, just the month after the world just kind of changed. I remember everything starting to change in March, at least. I remember, you know, right before everything shut down here in California, I was out the night before having drinks and dinner with my sister and her fiance. And we did it knowing that things probably weren't going to be the same for a really long time. Right. So that happens and you go, okay, you're facing the unknown in a way that you never had before. I, I was saying that. Mm -hmm. So I get back home and, you know, the nature of my, my work revolves around the economy. I work at a financial advising firm and all of a sudden just everything goes to hell in mm -hmm. a handbasket in the way of stocks, in the way of global economies. And we're really just kind of put to the test in the way of our staff and the way of every, you know, it's, it was unlike any sort of pressure I had ever felt. Mm -hmm. And I was handed a lot of new assignments and a lot of new tasks that ultimately were just, you know, proved to be things that I made mistakes with. Mm -hmm. Like everybody else is just kind of handed something out of the blue. Right. And that was when I found it the hardest to forgive myself was when I just didn't know what was coming. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I should have taken that as a sign to forgive myself. Right. Because if you don't know, then you don't know. Right. You don't you know, know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that applies directly to yeah. the fear. The interesting thing about what Sam is saying is a lot of that fear exists. Just, I mean, a lot of people go through that in their professional lives. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about what you told me was that his boss, which we call the big cheese. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The big cheese and Sam's the little cheese. Right. But He's the, the baby bell. The ba yeah. <laughs> so the baby bell. Those are delicious. Bro. I love those. Right. They so, are. His boss actually uh, listened to and read this author that has been a huge influence on my life, which is Adi Ashanti. Mm -hmm. And he wrote that book, Emptiness Dancing. And Sam found out that his boss liked that author. And Sam didn't know. But it's almost like automatically mm -hmm. once you hear about somebody following somebody that studies the work of Advaita Vedanta, because that's where the lineage that Adi Ashanti is mm -hmm. from, all of a sudden you have this connection in this circuit to this person. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like in some ways that probably helped you understand how he works a little bit more. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. From a place of a lot of heart and a lot of patience and a lot of forgiveness mm -hmm. and not somebody that I'm an, at all intimidated by because of that. Yeah. That oh, was the awesome. other thing. Yeah. So That's a great quality and a leader to have as a boss, you know? Yeah. It's like leading by example, but, and not by authority. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Not by fear. Not I, by fear. I think mm -hmm. that's like a, si a Simon Sinek sort of 
I love him. I love him too. Love him. Great. Yeah, he is great. Yeah, and you probably follow a lot of Simon Sinek in your professional life. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Jeremy too. You know, because he's a a millennial leader, and leading millennials is totally different than, you know, leading any other group of people. So, Mm. um, so, and he talks a lot about um, millennial leadership. So, yeah, I hear a lot about that. It's a good thing. But back to back to the fear. You know, it's mm-hmm. we were talking about this pretty recently too. That I had a fear of my house because I had you know like spiritual entities that were in my house, and um, it created a, a lot of anxiety and fear for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had this epiphany last week uh, watching uh, one of uh, Media Michael Mayo's videos online, and he's talking about like um, negative inter- entities and poltergeist and possession and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, you know, these are lower level entities and they're only gaining power because you're giving it to them. You are mm-hmm. more powerful than they are, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so your fear is unreasonable, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, well, hot damn, my fear mm-hmm. is unreasonable, yeah. Yeah. you know? Like, and I never, I never thought about it like that. I never thought about, okay, why am I afraid of this? Mm-hmm. You know, I never just asked myself yeah. what that was because I was just taking, I was just responding to the, visceral emotional response that I was having of feeling of, you know, hearing something or seeing something out of the corner of my eye or feeling someone touch me or, you know, seeing a cabinet door open or a door open or the TV turn on or whatever. Yeah. It was like a derivative of your fight or flight. A hundred percent. And every time something happened, I was on high alert and would be jumpy, you know? And then I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out. Yeah. And it makes me think of, I guess, in the metaphysical community, they make a distinction between, well, what is light and what is shadow? In a more practical way, light would be understanding and shadow is the lack of understanding. It's like not knowing something, right? So I think the process for me, how I see that experience that you had in your house is before there was obviously the physiological fear, so the ego was running the show. Mm-hmm. And you know, cre- it's so easy for it to create all these ideas of what this means, but at some point that light sort of turned on and illuminated this sort of, that, that space in your heart that now you're looking at it from a place of, I would say that it's a place of love because now you understand that you have that power, that you are operating from that loving space because that's what understanding is. It's compassion for yourself right. to find out what it is. I find it amazing just how different our examples are, but just how that sums it up mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. Right. It's exactly the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, that's the, and that's the thing I think when it comes to the fear, right? So but, but as far as what Krishnamurti was saying is it's, we have to not look at the, 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 not, we can look at the byproducts of the fear, but as long as you understand the biological process of fear, mm-hmm. then you can start sort of circling backwards through the DNA of that and stop creating emotions and ideas that trigger that response in the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And exactly. that, and that, and, and in order to reach that understanding, the only way that you can is by seeing it objectively objectively from source Mm. Mm -hmm. because source sees outside of the polarities Mm -hmm. and now you're able to see the light as well as the dark not necessarily what is being illuminated by both but that this is the ego working this is the ego trying to put things in certain compartments in order to feel some sense of security Mm -hmm. and um i think that is the, the best way to overcome the third dimension that we're talking about which is uh, at least for us in the West, is getting out of emotional fear 
and uh, not making it sort of like this thing that becomes this reciprocal sort of cyclic thing, mm. that cyclic <laughs> thing that happens, you know? So, and then there's also going up a step ahead. So I think that we all um, pretty much summarize the third dimension pretty well. There are good things about it. Um, definitely good things about it because, you know, there are beautiful things in nature that we live. Yeah. You have the nature, the, you have the nature. The nature. <laughs> look at all that nature. Look at all, <laughs> look at all that nature is, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the Taoist view, um, and a lot of what Alan Watts talks about is like, it's, it's, it's just play. As long as we could uh, approach the, 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 our experience in nature as play, then we won't take it as seriously as we do. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of things are meant to be enjoyed, but within reason. So I think my Libra is saying to me that balance needs to exist. And that's a really tricky thing mm-hmm. because the ego goes to the extremes with fucking mm. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I think that's the journey of, of understanding the third dimension. So what is, the, what is it that we need to do, Jen, in order to ascend to the fifth? <laughs> you got to do a lot of shit to ascend <laughs> to the fifth. <laughs> 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 it's it's having full awareness that you are you are God and mm-hmm. source is God and I am God and yeah. we're all spiritual beings mm-hmm. just in this human body right, right. and yeah. um, know that we're all coming from one source from the same source so right. you and I and you mm-hmm. and people in Africa that I've never met, we were all cut from the same cloth. We're all coming from the same place. And this cup and this and microphone. The cup, yeah, exactly. Everything. And yeah, the black widow that yeah. was on my mail yesterday. Yeah, the black widow. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Keyword uh, is it was a part. Plants, it's gone now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's no longer living on this earth, nope. but which is why I'm not in the 5D because I killed him. Um, but it's, it's heaven on earth. This is, you know, our ascended masters. This is Buddha, Jesus, Gandhi, yeah, those guys. So the, the thing I want to I want to clarify um, before we get into the five D is there's a lot of people, and I'm one of these people that got drawn dropped some confusion about this, which is all is God, but then people are in this position of trying to destroy the ego, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to eradicate the ego as if somehow we, they can live without it, right? And <laughs> and and the thing is, is you can't. No. Okay, so they're like, when in a lot of these Eastern spiritual teachers talk a lot about this, they're like, okay, well, you th- you say everything is God, but there's an issue with the ego. But the, the teachers say the ego is also God, mm-hmm. right? You have to look at consciousness as almost like water, right? It will flow into whatever direction you place your attention. Yep. So if you flow into awareness, it becomes awareness. If you flow into the ego, it will become the ego, right? So all of it, the whole playing field is God, but the ego, the spirit, it will, will pl- assume the role of anything that it ha- has the ability to sort of play with. Mm-hmm. So everything mm-hmm. is God. There's just varying degrees of higher and higher dimensions. So you can say that, you know, going out on a Friday night and partying is a reality, but it's not an ultimate reality, mm-hmm. but it's still God. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about ascending to the much higher dimensions where you're looking for uh, a, a pure form of energy that nothing that the physiological body or mind can satiate. Mm-hmm. Because I think of when you operate from awareness after a certain point, you realize that those things are impermanent. Mm-hmm. And you can go down that path and playing with those things, 
and can go in that circle for as long as you want. But at, at some point, inevitably, you have to start over. So I think a, a lot of the, the spiritual journey from my perspective is getting to a place where you are completely, uh, I guess they would call it nirvana, when you mm-hmm. are completely at peace with just being, being. Being. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the... Uh, in terms of manifestation and um, in 5D, you manifest instantly. So, yeah, you yeah. know, if you're in 4D, you have to be very careful of your thoughts because you manifest quickly, right. but not like in 5D where you manifest things right away. Yeah, there's like this fluidity to, I think, 5D. So we're getting into 5D. I think of, there's this book, and I don't know if, if you've read it, Jim, but I ha- actually haven't read it, but I did a lot of research on it. It's going to be one of the, the next books probably that I read, but it's called mm-hmm. The Law of One. No, I haven't and read that. It's basically mm. a channeled, um, a channeled book that was released back, uh, I want to say, in the '80s, and there was a couple people that brought this book into kind of existence. But um, I think I actually have some of the the notes in here. It was, yeah, it was channeled from the '80s by a fellow named Don Elkins, and then this woman named Carlo, who Ross spoke through her, right? So it was this whole process of downloading information from this being they actually called it a social memory complex from planet venus cool interesting right and raw being the same raw from egypt ah right so this this raw guy is traveling around to different places okay um, and because you know the, the, the spiritual man- dimension is non-linear it's the same raw that existed back during those times mm. yeah and um so the, this book is about the law of one which essentially is how to get to the 5D. A lot of what this message was saying, what Ra was saying is about like, how can we ascend to the fifth dimension? I mean, this is really similar to uh, Barbara Mersiniak's book. Exactly. Like the same concept, except right. it was the Pleiadians that was helping mm-hmm. her, right? you know, disseminate the information for people to ascend to 5D. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this actually, I thought about this the other day, which is kind of a recent thing is, a lot of the, the tone of these messages are the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that it's really about who's delivering this message. The one thing that I find consistency is in that this story is pretty much the same. They're talking about how to work within this 3D earth realm. It's like every mm-hmm. all the other aliens, interdimensional beings, they know that this is what earth does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're giving you a curriculum on how to overcome that and ascend. Mm-hmm. So I don't get really too involved with you know, the, the, whether or not it's a Pleiadian, although that's really fucking cool if it is, but because they're all, all the message is the same. It's almost like they've experienced their fair share of this dimension before. And they want to tell you like, this is how you get over it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one really done that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jen's, Jen's done this a million times. She's a Bodhisattva. I think this is her last incarnation. Yeah. (laughs) This is for sure my last time. It better be. Yeah. I'm tired. (laughs) <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of shit. <laughs> want to take these shoes off. Twenty twenty. The dogs are barking. So when I think of like, uh, well, how do you um, try and uh, define wholeness and oneness to somebody that isn't as familiar with these sort of five D concepts? And mm. one of the things that put it into perspective for me that was really interesting is how we think of God, right? The Western approach and all of us probably grew up in some form of spirituality, is that there's a God somewhere, but it's not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a God out there, and I'm... It's definitely not you, you're a it's, sinner. It's definitely not me. I don't, yeah. I'm not no. worthy enough. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't deserve that. None of us. Right? So right away, 
if you acknowledge that as a whole and you look at it from an outside perspective, there's two or there's not one. And that obviously is an antiquated way of looking at God, but automatically you know that that's not wholeness and that's not one because you're automatically separate from that. Mm-hmm. And your whole idea is to try and get back at that. And what I think wholeness is and oneness is, is acknowledging that you are that God, right? That you are not different from that God, that you're the same, you know? And what came up for me is, and I think I talked to you about this too, Jen, which is the word God. Don't make it a noun, make it a verb. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the second you call God, God, it becomes hardwired as something separate. Mm -hmm. It is a tangible Mm -hmm. item. It is something separate. When you make God into a verb, you you become sort of like a a quality of God. It's an expression. It's yeah. an expression. Mm-hmm. That's what God is. Or an action. Yeah. Or an yeah. action. I like that. Yeah. There's a quote that I read a while back that said, "Love is a verb. Mm-hmm. Stand up and serve." <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's it's a like one, one of those magnets you'd find on your mom's fridge. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And it had like some some section of the Bible proverbs or on something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Or you something know. you'd find on a t-shirt at Ross. <laughs> <laughs> right? My favorite place. It's a great store. It's like yeah. that, 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 that mug that you'd find at like Urban Outfitters. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Just at the Goodwill. If I saw it there, I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's looking at, is God ultimately as, as one thing, mm. you know? So there's various different ways that we can do that. And Jen kind of described a lot of it. Well, what is the practice that we can put into place in order to ascend to that, that realm? I'm how would, curious. How would you imagine ascending into the fifth dimension? Well, you have to start from the third, right? Um, <laughs> you got a, way, got a ways to go. Uh, that's a good question. That's yeah. a really good question. Um, I think that, I want to think about this. This is, this is such a, a vast subject to me. Um, I think that really it just probably starts from doing what you know already is loving. Yeah. That's what I, yeah, sort of expressing conscientiousness and love in as many pure ways as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And hopefully breaking through your third world means of expression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because at first you're only going to go with what's immediate, which are ideas and feelings that are probably comprised from that existence. Mm -hmm. But maybe with enough implementation and with enough consciousness, you can sort of transcend that. And perhaps you're you're doing things that are already fifth world or fourth world, even that you don't even know are. But eventually with the right path and with the right set of steps taken, you realize them as such and you just keep going. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, Uh, I think you're spot on with that. You know, Mm -hmm. it was practicing gratitude and raising your vibration and it becomes easier as your vibration gets higher and you're operating more out of a place directly from love. Yeah. Hmm. And you're a drummer. Sam is a musician. Oh, you are? I didn't yeah. know that. And yeah. He's a phenomenal drummer. How about and, that? Thank you. <laughs> and I, I, I'm also, you know, also a musician. So there's a quality hmm. to that practice where you're completely present. And I imagine you're not thinking about a whole lot. No. And when you're being completely present, you're obviously not util- over-utilizing the ego in order to make that happen. That presence is awareness. It's almost like you're automatically operating from 5D when you're playing the drums. I mean, that's a really good way to look at it. And one phrase came to mind through your explanation there, which is, you know, thought is the enemy of flow. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I think about whenever I'm playing. 
whenever you know practicing it's a different thing it's it can get pretty cerebral and it can get pretty intentional like practicing is like what i would equate to shadow work almost yeah Mm -hmm. with the drum set uh really just kind of diving deep to the things you know need the most work Mm -hmm. and doing whatever it takes to get above that and move on to the next thing yeah and hopefully take everything that you've worked on and use it in a way that's for the greater good which is for music because music is such a sacred thing Mm -hmm. and um yeah you cannot be thinking while you're playing you cannot yeah. be thinking while you're making music anyway because it just takes away from it takes away from the unknown. If you're thinking you're already sticking with what you know and chances are the ultimate means of expression is towards the unknown or within that. It is that. Mm-hmm. So that's the best possible correlation. I, I think. love that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And that makes sense to me and even like um playing sports like mm-hmm. any kind of sport right it's there's so much muscle memory involved because when you're practicing you're really honing in on um on the areas that you need to improve on mm-hmm. and then you're repeating you know that that motion over and over and over until it becomes like second nature and very natural oh the absolute best moments in sports from my understanding come from that practice and mm-hmm. just essentially learning everything so you can forget it and right. just completely go with your instincts in that moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then just and don't think about like oh you know the technique i need to hold my hand this way or do that or do this it's just getting in the flow and that muscle memory takes over because you already know what to do in every single one of us with everything that we're doing at least from a physical sense or you know even with creative tools as well or creative outlets like we're always working so much harder than we have to right yeah. that's so true that's true yeah it, it makes me think of what you guys are saying is almost like it it, it, it what comes up is that parable right mm-hmm. the parable of like or that comparison that we were talking about earlier of god not being the destination but being the flow mm-hmm. you know yeah, and it's crazy how spirit embodies itself in so many different things like that, and we can essentially call that art. So art is like the the attempt to express the inexpressible. Mm-hmm. It's the attempt to try and translate that feeling, not so much thought, but like the feeling of what this is. It's expression through movement. It's expression through playing uh, the drums or mm-hmm. music. It's the expression through what we're doing right now because there isn't a seriousness to it. There's a dance. You know, and it makes me think of this quote by um, uh, Ram Das, where he's like, you know, some people, uh, most people, everybody dances through life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and some people listen to various different types of music. Some people like heavy metal, which mm-hmm. is like some people love the more edgy type of life. Some mm-hmm. people like listening to country music. Maybe they live more of a natural sort of earthy type of existence. Some people like softer music. You know what I mean? And the whole point of dancing to this music um, isn't really the point. I think the point is just that you're dancing to it. Yeah. And, you know. And it's not Chuck Berry, that's for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe if you guys are listening, I hope the the 2020 playlist for space doesn't have Chuck Berry. No, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, no Jerry Lee Lewis either. No, oh, no. I mean, you oh. can do it, but like, put him on a compilation album. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, don't just that, that's, don't have the, that be the only thing that you're broadcasting into no, space. Have <laughs> Beatles need to get off though. their high horse. Yeah, that's yeah. just. You heard about Eddie Van Halen, right? Oh, Eddie yeah. Van Halen? Eddie Van Halen he died. died today. Did he really? Yeah. Of throat cancer. I did not know that. Yeah. 65 years old. What a bummer. 
Oh, my heart goes out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, but at such the, an icon, that such guy. an icon. Oh man, I mean that is Van Halen. You know, yeah. but you think about what a charmed life to, you know, do what you love every single day, make a shitload of money doing it, mm-hmm. and have such an impact, and like leave the world with these like pearls that you've left behind. Timeless, right? you know, timeless pearls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember that fifty-one fifty Kramer guitar. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember when I was a kid, nobody played guitar like he did. It was very, very unique, very, very different, mm-hmm. you know? So to sum up kind of what we're saying about the 5D, anything that makes us feel more loving, anything that allows you to practice more compassion with other people, not over-identifying with thoughts, but kind of leaning more into the feeling of the heart. I think mm-hmm. if we're going to put it anyway, if you're going to make a, dis- a separation between the ego, the heart is the side of the coin that we should sort of be operating from. And developing a practice, whether that be meditation, whether that be pulling cards, anything that makes you feel good, it could be gardening. And don't worry so much about when you're going to get to the 5D because you're already there. It's just about whether or not you're willing to pay attention to your positioning in that realm, you know? So we're actually talking about um, Eddie Van Halen. Makes me think of um, a lot of his really amazing music and songwriting. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And actually, while I segue into what we were talking about at the beginning of this show, oh which yeah, we have a sec, we have, we have a section, a new section, Jen. Yeah, we're going to introduce do. to the podcasting realm. And Sam's this is an inaugural thing, Sam, because we've never done this before. I can't wait. It's a segment called hashtag Roulette. All right. Yeah. So basically, hashtag Roulette, and it's not so much of a game, more so than it's just a. Um, I guess it could be a game, but nobody wins. Well, actually, we all win. There's we, all no win. we all win. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no losers. It's all winners. So basically, um, we're going to, uh, we're all Instagram users. And most of the people, if not all the people that are actually listening, probably have an Instagram account. So we had this idea of going onto Instagram and looking up a hashtag that tends to get a lot of different quotes, mm-hmm. right? And uh, at least for me, because I'm somebody that loves reading different types of quotes, Quotes on love, quotes on relationships. And there's some interesting ones out there right now, right? I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we're scrolling through our feed, we either have friends that post them. I post them myself. And there's a lot of really funny, you can find all different <laughs> types of shit on there. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we had today was looking up hashtag love quotes, right? So right. what we're going to do is we're going to pick a random, random quote from an Instagram hashtag mm-hmm. and we're going to read them off. And then we're going to just sort of touch on what the message, the, the sort of wisdom that we can draw in from these quotes and see if we could d- dive deeper into it. Because there are some quotes that are um, really complex and there are some that I don't even understand the meaning to. So it's, it's a nice, I feel like it'd be a nice exercise and a nice practice and kind of just some fun to go into. Let's see. All right. So Jen. Who's first? Jen gets to go first. Or unless you guys want to paper, rock, scissors for it. It's up to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, mine is not that deep. (laughs) So this is coming from um, my my defining moment. And it says, X is be like, I gave you the world. No, bitch. You gave me mental (laughs) health issues. (laughs) (laughs) No, bitch. You gave me health issues? Mental health issues. Mental health issues. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
That's an interesting, that's, that's an interesting beautiful. quote. So obviously uh, there was some toxicity in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and this person that was bit. drafting, I imagine this was in first person. They probably made it just so that they can post it. Yeah. It wasn't one of those generalized sort of quotes that encompassed the whole, like this came from someone's actual experience. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. So, and that's um, always super uncomfortable when you know a couple that is broken up yeah. and then they're sending these cryptic memes out yeah. into the oh, out yeah. into the universe oh. on Instagram and I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh no, don't don't yeah. post that. <laughs> There's no you more. hate it but you love it. That makes you look so thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. There's a part of me that respects the the openness and the honesty of the fact that we're at that level now when it comes to creating quotes mm-hmm. because there's a sincerity and an authenticity to it mm-hmm. because it's so real. Yeah. And I appreciate that. No yeah. matter how crazy it is, like obviously she was pissed. And that was pretty something. succinct. Like if that, if those feelings were expressed, I don't know, 150 years ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have been like two or three pages. Wouldn't have been nearly as funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I think the moral of that story is to really, really, uh, know your boundaries, right? Yeah. And, and if you're at a place with someone that you're, that you're supposed to be in love with and yeah. you feel like that they're giving you mental health issues, right. probably not the relationship you should be in. Right. That's true. Probably not a good match. Yeah. And it's almost calls for them to take some accountability over their own field and their own boundaries because they allow it to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's we got some deep shit out of that. that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And that's true. And I think I've been, you know, I think we've all been in relationships, me included, that were like that, where there's something about them. Maybe it's like that neurochemical response that you get in your body where it's just like this, either the sex is really great or they affirm their love to you through words or they do all these, whatever it may be. Or there's a trauma bond. There's or all there's kinds of toxic, weird things. Definitely right. a trauma bond. And if you, if you aren't protecting your field and grounding your energy and really checking in with what you want and deserve, you'll get a situation like that, mm-hmm. you know? So. All right, Eric, you're up next. Oh, it's my turn. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take a look and see what we can find. All right. Uh, we can do the do Okay, I got one here. Okay. All right. This is from Maisha King's Love, which we should probably start giving credit to mm. the people that post these. It says, May your vibes shift the whole damn frequency of the room when you walk in. I love Word. that. Word. Yeah. Mic drop. What do you think? I love that. It's almost like there's an electricity to somebody that has. That, that, that radiates that love, right? Mm-hmm. When you like walk into a room and there's like, the, I mean, it could be that woman, Sam. It could be that special right. woman that's on the way, Sam. She's listening. Yeah, yeah. she's Wherever listening. Wherever she is. Your queen. Yeah, you're going to have that like moment in like Wayne's world where like the, that girl walks in and Wayne's oh, just goes Cassandra. Like, is that her name? <laughs> Cassandra. Yeah. Cassandra wasn't the crazy one, right? No, that was, that the, was, that was his dream weaver. That's Cassandra right. was his dream weaver. Okay, I meant to say Garth. Garth. Oh, Okay, yeah. remember when they were at the donut place? What was the name of the donut place? Randy's. Randy's Donut. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, by the way, they just opened a new one in Pasadena. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, and I just thought about this, Sam. That happened in Wayne's World. We're going to have to go to Randy's Donuts and have some donuts inside there. I feel like that's it's going to happen that way. I mean, that'll be our christening, despite the fact that we've lived in Pasadena for I don't even know how long. Yeah. But that, that'll be their christening because we lived in Pasadena as yeah, long as we have. Yeah, because they just, they just started there. What I mean mm-hmm. is that we're going to be there and she's going to walk in. Oh. And the Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. I don't know. I don't know the rest of it. But I know it's not what you're talking about. And then what's going to happen is like you're going to see her 
and then all the music, all the music stops. That's right. Yeah. And the song starts playing, and then you just fall back on your chair. Just gonna drop my donut. You're gonna drop yeah. your donut. Yeah, that's gonna happen. I so hope it's not a jelly donut. <laughs> I can't wait. Me, yeah, me too. A messy to clean up. <laughs> or like one of those like Fruit Loop or Captain Crunch ones. Oh yeah, no, I don't. If you ordered one of those, I would walk out. And that's right. Shoot, Sam's an old fashioned guy. <laughs> oh yeah, just a regular glaze kind of guy. Just whatever's under a buck twenty five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. So may your, may your vibe shift your whole damn frequency of the room when you walk in. That this is great. almost like, there's an intensity. It's almost like your Southern, your, your Southern auntie said this, you know? Right. You know, I'm trying to think of somebody that has a, that, that like quality, that, that zhuzh. Um, mm-hmm. May your vibe shift your whole damn frequency of whole, the room when you walk in. I'm trying to think. Actually, I know someone and I'm going to give her a shout out. Yeah. Um, Her name is Jessica and I've known her since we were in high school. And um, I mean, she is also six foot tall and beautiful. Um, So that helps, but she's really loud and really funny. And just, you know, when she walks into the room, everybody's looking and listening because she's just got this quality about her. You know, another person that has that is my stepmom. Really? As as raunchy mm. and <laughs> wild as she is, you know, she is, she brings the party. She's the party 24 seven. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you respect the realness and the rawness of who they are. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. She says some crazy stuff and I'm like, Ooh, I, I probably wouldn't go there, yeah. but she goes there and but she says it. Yeah, she does. She's one of those people. Everybody says like, uh, you, especially when you're younger, like, I don't give a fuck what people think. Like mm. I just do what I want. Right. Yeah. No. She really does not care what people think. <laughs> so she was born with this. She was born with a gene. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a gene for that. It like it, it does nothing phases her. She's on on her own schedule. Yeah, so. there's something to be said for the people that convey that same sort of energy, but do it in a very soft way as well. Yeah, because there's true. some people that can walk in a room and you know, to, I guess demand might be the right word. They can attract the same kind of attention, but yeah. at the same time without being boisterous yeah, or just, uh, you know, coming across as overly charismatic. Yeah. That's true. And, um, yeah. Those are the people that stick in my mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's true. May your vibe shift the whole damn frequency of the room. Cause you could just go from person to person having really intimate conversations with them, just like I do mm-hmm. and connect <laughs> just with, like I do. And, and, and connect with the room in that way. Mm-hmm. And whatever way that that is, just make sure that you are radiating that love and that positivity to where people can just see it. It's like, you know, those people, everybody has those people. I mean, Mm -hmm. that just make you feel good being around them. That's right. And they go, there's something about this person. So perhaps I should talk with them and find out. Yeah. 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 All right. So that one was mine, Sam. That was was great. Let's find out. You got to do the Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah. There we go. Actually, I think there's a, a program. I think I can do it here. Yes. Oh, Oh, I don't have my headphones on. Is that what it is? Oh, that's the Halloween one. That's the (laughs) Halloween one. Oh. I mean, appropriate timing, Halloween. It's coming. All right, Uh, Sam. Okay, we're ready. All right. Serendipitous. So, mine is from, let's see, it says, Love of Women's. And uh, the quote goes, accountability feels like an attack when when you're not ready to acknowledge how your behavior harms others. Followed by at the bottom, read it again. 
<laughs> I love those ones that say read it again. Read it again. It's like you didn't yeah. get it the first time. Yeah. Keep I want you to read it. it again. It's like everybody starts by just re- randomly just gazing over it and then mm-hmm. they kind of miss the message and it's like reminding you to like, hey, you need to pay attention to this shit. Why don't I read it again? Yeah. Read so. it again. Accountability feels like an attack when you're not ready to acknowledge how your behavior harms others. Mm. Read it again. That's a good one. One more time. No, I'm kidding. What do you think of that one, Sam? Well, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think that's something that really just kind of comes from, like the reason I understand that quote and the reason I sort of resonate or it resonates with me is just because as I grow older, I'm handed more responsibility and it just kind of falls in my lap, whether it's at, you know, in the workplace or just in life, really in general, Mm -hmm. like you honestly don't realize how responsible you are until like, I, I I still don't think I'm entirely aware of it. Yeah. Despite Mm -hmm. the fact that I've been on, you know, on my own and supporting myself for a very long time. Yeah. At the end of the day, I realized just sort of the weight of the responsibility of the little things, because Mm -hmm. the little things can sometimes cause some of the biggest avalanches, whether it's with your relationship to others or yourself. And, um, you know, some people are better at taking things they don't want to hear than others. Mm -hmm. And only recently have I just started to really open up my ears and just kind of take what everybody says, not only with, you know, I I don't want to say with a grain of salt, but I've tried to like, I'm more open-minded and more open-eared to what everybody's had to say than I have been before. Just in terms, and also to myself more importantly. Yeah. That's mostly it. Like I'm listening to myself more and more, but I'm also, I don't want to say reprimanding or like just any negative word, Mm -hmm. but I'm checking myself more in that way. And I didn't want to before. I didn't want to tell myself that there was work to be done. Right. But now whenever I find the opportunity to do some work, I'm excited and I'm like pounce, you know, jumping up and down and going, great. I'm closer to something that I want to resolve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having that awareness is really just kind of the first step to working past said thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. accountability. I like that. Yeah. That reminds me of my, my uh, most recent favorite Joe Rogan quote, which I talked about on our last episode, but um, not to get married to your ideas. Oh yeah. You know? And I, and I love that because whenever you get married to an idea, um, it puts you in a place to defend that idea Mm -hmm. and puts you in, um, in a place of, um, it's, it's another fear, like a fear-based response. So, yeah, it's, it's very, very true. And Joe Rogan gets it from a lot of people, including the employees at Spotify. It's like, they want him to take a position so much, Mm -hmm. so hard. Yeah. They want to they want to say this is who Joe Rogan is and this is who he, what he believes. But even Joe Rogan says it so many different times and he actually addressed it on the episode with Tim Dylon where he was just mm-hmm. like we're having a conversation. I'm not married to thoughts just like Jen was saying and he just he even admits like there's lots of things that I don't know. I don't ask for you everybody to listen to what I have to say. You know, like and there's lots of times you know, that he's been wrong, you know, and, and right. he says that he was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been wrong on the show all the time. Yeah. And that's part of it. That's part of the process is to yeah. be wrong and to have somebody like stick your your jar out like 25 right. cents. Change my mind. You yeah. know, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what people don't realize about Jerome. He's just like a regular person, just like we are. And he's yeah. on his own journey looking to learn just like anybody else. You know, I mean, it's easy to overlook because he's such a badass. That is right. true. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's definitely, definitely a badass. And okay, and I, so I have one more. A great. 
Uh, well, unless you guys have some, we can kind of go around for a few more times if you want to. This one is, you are the only person who can take away your peace. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's empowering. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's very, really empowering. And it makes me think of this other quote that says, pay very, very close attention to the thoughts that you think <coughs> because you're listening. You're listening. Yeah, that's right? a great quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a good one. And it's almost like, it puts you in the position of in the driver's seat, which a lot of people don't realize that they're in. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people don't realize that they have the ability to, um, to, to, to really, like you say, Sam, like take accountability for themselves and really start protecting their field and drawing the most appropriate boundaries, which comes from self-worth. Right. And that's something that I think all of us go through me, myself included. That's been an ongoing journey for me is trying to harness that and uh, try to um, cultivate that in a world that does everything that it can to beat that down. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that goes back to manifesting in the law of attraction. You know, mm-hmm. anytime you have that negative self-talk, you're going to experience more of that right. same thing. So yeah, got to be careful yeah, what you put out in the universe. Yeah. I got one here. Let's see. So it's a drawing of I don't even know what, and the page is wholesome.freaks. Da- wholesome mm-hmm. And the caption says, there's a cutie among us, and you'd be looking kind of sus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You'd be looking kind of sus? You're looking kind of sus. That right that? there is a clip. That, that right there is a clip for a teaser for this show. That was amazing. <laughs> is that short for suspect? Suspect, yes. yeah. Oh, <laughs> That is so crazy. That's so good. I love that one, Sam. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel kind of called out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really like that one. That was my favorite one thus really? far. Can, so can you read it one more time? Yeah. No, it just said there's a cutie among us and you'd be looking kind of sus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's like pretty obvious. Oh, but so I was good. the one looking at it. I would, I would, I, would, I, would, I wonder <laughs> if it, if that would be appropriate as a pickup line. Oh. No, it would no. not. It would have, right? <laughs> no, no, sir. I mean, if if it was a total joke and yeah. you did it, it in well, a funny absolutely. voice, that's you mean. know, that's what I mean. like right. in that that's, way. That's what I mean. Yeah. We were yeah. just talking about this in the car on the way over, like just really stupid old fashioned lines <laughs> yeah, that guys used to use, right? Like just, hey, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. Yeah. Like, like that. And I don't think any guy uses those anymore. Right. I don't I don't think that any guy really used those. Right. I don't think that that was a real thing. Did. I think that I, it's more of like a joke. But if you utilized it as a tool for like an icebreaker. Yeah. Like because of just how unsure because of how uncertain and how just negative the world can be at times. Yeah. We were saying like if I walked up to a girl that I showed interest in and honestly and jokingly said that as an icebreaker, it might work. Yeah. It might work. It's set and it setting, might. right? Like it has to be the the right place in the right time and she has to be in kind of like that playful mood to receive it. Oh, yeah. You know, say she just got, you know, let go from her job and she has no money to pay rent mm-hmm. and she's sitting at the bar and her friend's late and then you come up and say that like, oh, you know, that may not be the the best time, you know, for her to receive that kind of joke. Yeah, but. I agree. I, I feel like a lot of the, the stereotype that, that um, came into play during those times is sort of like this geek that it, it has this sort of scarcity mentality that mm. has so much writing on the fact that he has to go up to this woman and try and press her somehow. <laughs> and those, 
those things came as a result of that. Right. And obviously, I think women are very intuitive. They can sense that disparity. They can sense that, you know, that feeling from anybody. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it drew that conclusion of like, yeah, this is kind of lame. But I feel like, and I think this is kind of like where we were, where I was, we were trying to talk about in the car, which was, mm -hmm. I feel like we're in that age now. Maybe it's because, you know, we're in our thirties and we acknowledge that as almost like a form of nostalgia mm -hmm. where now I, I could not use it in a serious way, but because it's humorous, yeah. it would be appreciated. Yeah. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That would crack me up. Who wouldn't appreciate if I made the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to do a little elbow. Like see what I did there. <laughs> And yeah. you'd have to like, you can't do it in a serious way. You kind of just have to be a, you know, a dad bot about it. You got to be a total bozo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Maybe you might, Own maybe it. you might, maybe you might get there. Do you have, do we have any more? Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, I have one. It's, right, uh, everybody. it's not, it's not that good though. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Cause I'm about to say who put it out there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, you just make up. Make just up. give them my handle. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one is good sex, no stress, one boo, no X, small circle, big checks. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, the, uh, that's pretty much words to live by though. It is. You know? It is. That is sort of like our pulp culture of way of, of saying that you just want to live a happy, happy, abundant life. Yeah. yeah. I would With get one, that Yeah. Happy, abundant life with one person and you know appreciate the love you have yeah say it one more time life is too short so love the one you got yeah. okay um <laughs> good sex no stress mm -hmm. one boo no x small circle big checks yeah, i'm just okay. pointing out where i would get those on my face <laughs> <laughs> okay so i want to piece this apart good sex obviously we all want that yeah who doesn't want that yeah so that's probably at the, the obviously it's because it's the top of the list and okay no, no stress no stress mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be okay. So those, yeah. those are one boo, yeah. no X. Mm -hmm. So it basically just be, it would be saying that you just want to live a comfortable, happy, stress-free life. Yeah. Right? And whatever sort of way that you want to express that, I respect that quote because of how real it is. Yeah. You know, and there's somebody that resonates with it. That's great. I mean, me, obviously, because I picked yeah, it. Right. <laughs> now I should actually beatbox and make you rap that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, one day. All right. Yeah, so, so we are, we're at time. Yeah. We're actually gone a little over. See, yeah. you, know what, you know what, Sam, you brought, you brought the fun, man. You did bring the fun. <laughs> yeah. You helped us kind of bring out the fun. So it was really, really oh, yeah. nice to have you in. You're welcome anytime. Sam is actually a part of the, I guess he's the friends of the podcast. So he's yeah. going to come, he's going to come by every just now and again. Just cruising every by. now and again. Yeah. And just, uh, I, I want to, I'm, I'm calling out to like Sam, the philosopher, but maybe by the next time we have the episode, I'll have a, a formal name for you. We'll Unless we out. just call you Sam. Let's let yeah. the audience decide. I mean, I like Sam. Yeah. Sam works for me. So Sam, if you had one thing that you wanted to leave with our listeners, what would that be? Uh, that's a really good question. That's, oh, wow. That's a really good question. Just one thing? Just one There's thing. so many things. Mm -hmm. If it had to be one thing seriously consider hydrating more you'll feel great <laughs> i'm working on it i mean yeah, yeah that's, that's a good there tip. in the way yeah that's i'll leave it at that <laughs> it can be more than one thing okay um what was the name of that meme that you just had? really consider loving yourself yeah oh that's a look good into one. that look mm -hmm. into that it's good shit that is good yeah. shit I love that. Thank you for coming by, Sam. Thanks for yes, having me. Yes, it was Eric. great Thanks to have you. Me, yeah. Yes. We're coming back again. And uh, for those that are listening, if 
you are on in the podcasting realm. Uh, we talk about this a lot in our podcast, which we are available on uh, several platforms nowadays, and I always miss one. So let me know, Jen, if I forget. All right. Actually, you, which ones are we on, Jen? She probably knows better than I do. Oh, we are on Apple, Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. Um, we're on iHeartRadio and um, Amazon and Google. Oh, oh I got the last one. Missed it. <laughs> I missed that one last time too. Yeah. It's one of those ones you never, it just kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you guys are listening, all of our episodes are posted there. Definitely give them a listen. If you're on any one of those platforms and they have a rating system, leave, leave a review, draw them some stars. If you can, let us know what you think. Um, and then also like and subscribe if you're on YouTube and you want to see more of these videos. We'd love to also hear from you. If you have any ideas for topics, we want to hear more about them. And uh, if you also would like to be on the podcast, send us a message. We welcome all. Yeah, we're open and we yeah. do Zoom calls. So. And, and we do Zoom calls. So you can also go directly to our website at www.divine-nobodies.com. And uh, until then. Namaste, friends. Yeah, namaste, friends. <laughs>